0: This is the Wesson Walker Show. All right, biggest accomplishment overall for Steve Wilkes, and it doesn't have to be a game, right? It can be the improvement and succeeding with Sam Darnold in those six games. It can be the rushing defense. It can be allowing Deontay Foreman to flourish. It could be a whole bunch of different... It's West.
1: Well, good Lord, you took everything we could say. Eight miles. <laughs> and Walker. Tell these people something they don't know about them. Right? Nothing. Only on Sports Radio 92.7
0: FM WFNZ.
2: That's exactly
0: what that was.
1: and Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Panthers lost a tough one last night to the New Orleans Saints. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. We got plenty of them, but for now, most importantly, hit up the West and Walker page on Twitter. We got a cool reel for you breaking down what we thought of Carolina's game last night, that and a whole lot more we bring you every single day but now it is time to go to the campus Kona going back to Saturday you know we piece this thing out every day of the week and talking about Wake and Old Dominion and the Demon Deacons going forward they had 20 unanswered points in the second half a program record 10 sacks they got their first road win of the 2023 season over Old Dominion they trailed by as many points In this football game, but I never got nervous, not being arrogant. But, you know, I just felt like that eventually they would get this thing together. The victory mark wakes 12 straight win over a non-conference opponent, which is the second longest streak in the country. They only trail the Georgia Bulldogs who have won 19 straight out of conference contests. But defensively, man, guys were getting after it. The starting linebackers, redshirt sophomore Dylan Hazen and senior Jacob Roberts, who was an All-American at North Carolina a t those two combined for 22 tackles, six tackles for loss, and four sacks. Jacob Roberts had three of those sacks. Jacine Davis had three sacks. So the question is, Mitch Griffiths on the afternoon, over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns on the day, but he definitely had some nasty turnovers did you feel like that he came of age in this football game and his Wake's defense fool's gold or real gold or old gold like they call our colors on the pants and other things?
0: I don't feel comfortable even entertaining saying that he came of age in this game. Okay. Against Old Dominion, who had been allowing quite a bit of points going into this contest against Virginia Tech, which, yeah, Virginia Tech is another ACC school, but we know that Virginia Tech is not the Virginia Tech Hokies of old they allowed over 30 points to them they allowed over 30 points to Louisiana and Wake Forest has Mitch Griffiths going 24 of 41 with a couple of interceptions and 312 yards where you're down a decent amount I mean you're 17 you don't score in the first half whatsoever now you score 27 points all in the second half but it was dicey to me Granted, I was at the Charlotte game, so I was refreshing the game cast, trying to keep an eye out on every ACC game out there. But to win by a field goal against ODU and Mitch Griffiths doesn't do much in the first half and you throw a couple of interceptions against that kind of opponent that wasn't even playing good defense in the first two weeks, yeah, I don't think Mitch Griffiths played well. And by the way, way wrong. If you'll notice, I thought Mitch Griffiths might have the best performance of all the quarterbacks over the weekend, and I think that is fair to say it wasn't even close to being true.
1: The thing I'll say about Mitch Griffiths is this, especially being young guys starting for the first time especially being on the road some of those turnovers were nasty especially the one that he had uh the fumble that he had late in the second quarter that old dominion ran all the way back for a touchdown he had some bad interceptions but for him to be able to keep his wits about him come back late in that football game make the plays needed to win the game now you don't want to see this every single week and it's not something that I'm you know, I'm wondering, is this going to be a trend or is this just something that he will grow from? Because I felt like within that football game, he did grow because he came back to make the records at plays, albeit off of the defense, making some great plays late, too, to win that game. But this is definitely something you don't want to see and then something I'm interested in. And I'm going to go fool's gold a little bit on Wake Forest. And, hey, man, ever since even I was there, we never had a defense that's just a sack meister type of team with guys just – Dominating in the pass rush, just being overwhelming for guys. 10 sacks on the afternoon for them. That's a program record and 12 tackles for loss. They definitely came to play in this football game, but I don't expect to see this every week. In fact, I don't even expect to see this on a regular basis from this team. Now, they were decent at rushing the passer last season, but to think that you're going to get numbers close to this, uh, because obviously you're not going to get 10, but even 5, 6 sacks per game oh, yeah. from the Wake Forest defense, I'm going to go fool's gold on that until they show me more. Oh, 100%. I, I think up
0: up until this weekend against georgia tech which is starting to put some things together after the last couple of years i think the other three games you're not throwing out of the window by any means like we we can take mitch griffiths looking better for the most part or looking looking good for the most part i i believe in mitch griffiths i believe in wake forest what we've seen from dave clausen has been something you can replicate every single season but The fact of the matter is their beginning of their schedule is Elon, Vanderbilt, and Old Dominion. Uh, Now we're starting getting into the tougher competition against Georgia Tech, Clemson, even on the road against Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. The second half is going to be... Really rough for Wake Forest. It's certainly a first-half type of schedule for them, but we're starting to get into the games where we can really evaluate what Wake Forest is all about.
1: All right, so a bit of a double-barrel here when we talk about two programs, App State and East Carolina. Definitely two programs going in different directions. App improved to 7-1 and one in its last... Eight games in the next game after facing an AP, an AP top 25 opponent. They're three and one when winning the turnover battle since 2018, including a 17 and one mark with Sean Clark. As the head coach, they've started the season with three straight 40-plus point performances for the first time since 2010, and the last time that happened, they finished 10-3 and and were Southern Conference co-champions. Nate Noel rushed for 178 yards and a touchdown. Joey Aguilar, who I chose to have uh, a great day against that defense, threw for 241 yards and three touchdowns. Safe to say, he seems to have locked that job down. Also had a rushing touchdown. App gave up just 14 points. They held ECU to 79. Nine yards rushing in the game so two things here is App stay on the right track with Aguilar really starting to play good football this defense really stepped up And what the hell is East Carolina going to do? They're now 0-3. Can Mike Houston survive the season?
0: Yeah, this one's going to be rough. I know Salty Pirate is being pretty, well, salty on the text line. He's saying (laughs) Old Dominion is a solid program. Y'all don't give enough cred to regional schools outside of the ACC and the SEC. I've picked Charlotte to win every single game. Thank you very much. And that is not because of my homerism or Charlotte being alma mater. Or maybe it is. Uh, He did say, I know Greenville may have a Mike Houston problem. Him. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a bad start. And I think Mason Garcia, the quarterback we talked about at the very beginning of our launch of team week, has not been very good. I saw some text last week saying, yeah, I thought Mason was going to be good. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case here. So with a school that has a pretty good quarterback history – it doesn't look like they have that right now, and they're suffering where I thought it was going to be a closer game, and there's App State just being able to cover the way that they did, winning a big matchup. did you have thoughts on this game?
2: I've got news. Oh! I know we're in the campus corner, but it is a Panther Tuesday after a Panther Monday. Frank Reich, he's meeting with the media right now. Jack Thompson underwent surgery for a fractured fibula, Ooh, oh and he no. is now expected to miss the rest of the 2023 season. I hey to
1: see that, man. Big-time leader off that defense gone.
0: Frank Reich told us that it was significant after the game last night. I didn't realize it was going to be season-ending significant. So just to focus on this for a quick moment, this could be the end of Shaq Thompson's tenure? Could be. Because we talked about possibly shipping him off because of the whole contract thing. Now you bring him back. We thought it was necessary because we didn't love the linebacker depth. I thought Kamu Gruje hill I don't know if you agree, or Kamu Grugier-Hill, I thought he played pretty well. I think he yeah, had made some plays, no doubt. Yeah, and I think a respectable linebacker filling in for somebody like Shaq Thompson. But it's unfortunate. The injuries have hit this Panthers team damn hard. So now you have Austin Corbett, which we were all prepared for, but he's out at least for another two weeks. Hopefully he comes back as soon as he's eligible to. Chandler Zavala is filling in for Brady Christensen. Did not have a good game by any stretch of the imagination last night. Brady Christensen out for the rest of the year. J.C. Horn out for what could be a lot of the year. Now Shaq Thompson expected to miss the regular season. Man, not only are they suffering injuries, Wes, but these guys are suffering long-term injuries to where if you do come back with some of these guys... You're coming back like week 12 when damage is already
1: done. Yeah, and obviously this is not college where you can have four- and five-star guys just waiting in the background. This is the NFL. You definitely have to have uh, help. And so KGH came in, and he definitely looked admirable in his role that he played last night. But now we're going to see how it's going to go and you're the big man in the chair for the rest of the season. But the attrition, man, it's going to hit everybody. Unfortunately, it's hitting Carolina where it hurts right now. And so uh, going back to the college game... Real quick as we finish up the campus Bring it back. Talking about uh, South Carolina and Georgia. But South Carolina, do we feel like that this is a team based off what we saw against the Bulldogs that can actually bloom more as the season goes along? They had a 14-3 lead at the break. But then in the second half, Georgia turned it on. They managed just 129 yards over the final two quarters. Talking about South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, after having a really good first half, was held to 6 of 24 passing for 104 yards with two interceptions. The Georgia offense got going. They scored touchdowns on three of its first four possessions of the second half. And so uh, they had a really good second half, but the Georgia fans started to boo. During that game. So, do we feel like, though, with South Carolina, are they getting closer to being the team they were over the second half of last year? Is this a team based off what we say, saw at Georgia that we feel like can get better as the season goes along and end up uh, maybe salvaging some things and having a decent season? Well, I, I'm not
0: sure. So, the broken bone in Juice Wells' foot, I believe that's the injury that he suffered. Do we have a timetable for him? Is he even going mean, to come I back? no,
1: broken bone yeah, in your foot. That means a long uh, time. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> now, here we are talking about the injury with some of the Carolina Panthers, and so it doesn't look good. And now, how good are you feeling about you know, Spencer Rattler? I, I actually, I'm starting to see some consistent play from him, right? Like he's, he's doing was, all he can. Yeah, man. I agree. I agree. And that was a big question mark for me. And he's picking up where he left off last season. So actually, I'm giving kudos to Spencer Rattler. But the offensive line isn't good. And if you've got weapons going down, Wes. I don't know if i can put a lot of faith into this team and it doesn't mean i don't have faith in a guy like shane beamer i thought you did a very nice job certainly in the first half but you know it's going to be tough i i I hope that they're able to figure things out i want south carolina to be good i think it's good for the area i I like gamecocks fans getting rowdy It, it makes the rivalry the border war at the beginning of the season that much more fun when they're each program is highly anticipated but You know, hopefully they're able to figure this thing out with some of the injuries that they've suffered and the lack of protection they're giving to a quarterback that's doing all he can.
1: Would have been really intriguing to see what South Carolina would have done had the weather not changed as well. It really started to rain. You know, for a passing football team, the rain is not ideal. But this was a team that showed some fight, especially on the road. They didn't give up, and things just kind of turned against them and you're going up against the georgia bulldogs who knows what kirby smart said to those guys at halftime but this is a team i feel like that is very one-dimensional they still need to find some balance i feel like i may have to adjust uh my win total on them because i know preseason i had them winning around eight games but they just seemed a little bit too one-dimensional and too many holes that they had to fill but when we come back on the weston walker show we're going to go back to the carolina panthers loss against the New Orleans Saints. Is it time to start looking at this play calling? Is it time for Frank Reich to hand over the reins to young Thomas Brown? That and a whole lot more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: Lots of people asking about the play calling last night. Looks pretty vanilla, a lot of people are saying. I saw one text say there was some sprinkles, but I don't think a lot of other (laughs) people are saying there's any kind of accoutrement, to use a Willie P word. Accoutrement on the vanilla ice cream. Fitty, you grabbed the microphone pretty quickly. What you got for
2: it? This is how you know how bad the play calling is. Um, First off, I don't think the fan base knew that Frank Reich was the play caller last night. I had to tell multiple people in front of us that were yelling at Thomas Brown that the They're guy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm like okay. the guy that's on the field wearing three shirts with the big sheet. That's the guy calling the plays. This dude sat in front of me, got so frustrated. He wants uh, a Jero Averro to call the offensive plays.
0: Wow. And mm. now that
2: is a strategy. He's doing a very good job defensively. So outside he, of game planning for Taysom Hill, because that was some piss poor, uh, Execution on the Panthers' defensive side of the ball. Taysom
1: Hill can cause some problems.
0: Uh, Of uh, running, a listener from uh, Todd from Denver said, "Walker, you owe Taysom Hill an apology." I believe you said, "Quote, you're not scared of him." Yeah, I shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I shouldn't be scared of him. But if you're not going to tackle the guy, then that's a real problem because Taysom Hill, whenever they brought him in, he was able to pick up some physical yards. Now they didn't use him a ton. But they were able to bring him in, and they picked up physical yards on the ground, and so that certainly did
1: five yards on nine carries.
0: Yeah, they, that certainly did hurt the Panthers' rushing attack. And this was a team that couldn't run last week against Tennessee, but they were able to do it with a Taysom Hill. Let's go to the text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Did want to go to a couple of the play calling texts here, Wes. So mm-hmm. uh, Steven from Albemarle. He said, why is nobody talking about all the picks we gave up for our franchise QB just to sit him on two fourth and ones? This makes no sense. Take your playmaker out of the game when you gave up what you did. I'm glad he brought that up because it has been way too long for us to go this far into the show without us bringing it up. It's it's bizarre. Uh, Look. When people are scared about Bryce Young's size. And then you take the small QB out in those fourth-and-one situations to bring in not Jalen Hurts, not even Taysom Hill. (laughs) That would be the example. But you're bringing in the old rifle? Yes, (laughs) just to toss the ball on a sweep. Right, yes, that's true. And I think the the actual... goal was to put fear in the defense that you might actually have the the tush push there because Dan Orlovsky was calling for it on the broadcast last right, night, right. but I, I don't think that's going to work for Bryce though, right? Like, he was calling about it for Bryce. Do you do a tush push with Bryce Young if he's the smallest QB in the NFL? If that's your
1: starting quarterback, you do the tush push with Bryce Young. He'll have you he might be a little light. Tush push. He might be a little light in the Keister, but two guys behind him pushing him will definitely propel him to get the first down. That was one of the most asinine things I've ever seen in my life. They've done it. When they've they they brought, it twice? Yeah, when they brought Andy Dalton in for that, when they brought him in at all. I'm like, what are we doing here? And then just to have him toss the ball on a handoff, I mean on a on a pitch play, it just added to the to the night. It added insult to injury in my opinion. There was no reason for that. You're feeding into the narrative of what people think about Bryce as far as him being too small cuz I was confused at first. When they mm-hmm. brought Dalton in, I'm like, what are they doing here? Like, what what is the point? What are you trying to accomplish? Sometimes coaches, man, they get too cute. They try to outthink the room, especially NFL coaches. They are so famous for doing this. You guys and, and, and the Texans out there No, I'm a Niners fan, but I'm very critical of Shanahan at times. He's definitely one of those guys that gets too cute. Last night, that was too cute for Carolina to do that because you open yourself up to more criticism on a horrible night offensively that, to me, just added to injury.
0: I'm going to do some Galaxy Space Brain take here real quickly. Okay. Because it's, it's a little embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. I do have that feeling in my body. But I will say this. They picked up the first down. <laughs> 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 here we are. But it's it's embarrassing. Point. I'm not going to deny it. But I really do think this, though. I'm not lying. I think they bring in Andy Dalton, who is a bigger QB. And I think the defense on the other side is thinking, all right, they really might just go with the unstoppable Philadelphia Eagles play in the tush push. And then so they're gearing up for a play up the middle. And then they toss it outside
1: and they pick it up pretty well, I got easily. Well, God, it might weigh 10 or 15 pounds more. I know. I know.
0: I'm just saying maybe you could Lower. use the whole small perception <laughs> against the defense. You know what? Great play call. Frank Reich <laughs> out here thinking – Three chapters ahead of what everybody else is thinking. I did want to read some other text real quickly. TC, it's the NFL. What is this receivers not open thing? Windows are small. Scheme them open. 785, the play calling last night looked more vanilla than it did during the preseason. 704, there was our sprinkles text. I don't even think people thought there were sprinkles or chocolate sauce or banana split or anything on top of it. Uh, and then 910 asked the question I think most people are asking. Why is Thomas Brown on the staff if he's not allowed to call plays? So if we allow that to transition us into, is it time after week two, West Bryant to give the play calling duties to Thomas Brown and him be the guy that takes us the rest of the way?
1: I'm not sure what different types of things he could bring to the play calling to be frank with, you no pun intended. I mean, at this hmm. point, like I said, obviously he may have some different ideas, but that's also something at play here. All of these offensive minds that we talked about in the preseason, myself included, that we felt like was going to help Bryce Young so much. And we don't see any of the fruits of that thus far. Yes, I know it's two games, but you have Josh McCown. You have Jim Carwell. You have Frank Reich. You have Thomas Brown. All of these offensive minds and this is what we're getting out here. Granted, I know the personnel might not be where you want it to be. We know this. But my God, man, all of these minds together and this is what you get out there on the football field. Uh, It hasn't been acceptable and it just brings to uh, light just this coaching staff and and how great are they? I mean, it's like I felt like maybe it could have been a case of too many cooks in the kitchen when all these guys were bought in. And this is also the thing, as I said before. About the offensive coordinator thing to bring in Thomas Brown to be a co offensive coordinator, but you're really not. Like at this point, Frank Reich is doing most of the play calling. Like, why? If the head coach wants to be the offensive coordinator, then just have him be the head coach and the offensive coordinator. You don't need another guy just to sit there and hang out, and every now and again you throw him a bone. If you're going to bring Thomas Brown in to be your OC or somebody else to be your OC, let him be the OC, but to me it's, it's just too much.
0: So I don't mind bringing a smart offensive mind in, giving him a title with offensive coordinator even, and a lot of other teams will do this. So when you ask the question, why is he on the coaching staff if he's not going to call plays as the offensive coordinator? We see this a lot, and we see guys get jobs, even in that position. We can look at Mike McDaniel, who was not calling plays for San Francisco, but comes from what is a bright, offensive-minded team. Kyle Shanahan's the guy calling plays, but Mike McDaniel has a big influence on the way that offense is constructed. He goes to Miami, and boom, we get to see just how good of a play caller he is. We can even go back to Frank Reichstaff. staff. How about Nick Sirianni? Being on the offensive staff, but not being the one calling plays, Philadelphia hires him as the head coach. Sirianni is out here also making sure that he's got his fingerprints all over the play calling, and they're successful. So I don't mind Thomas Brown being aboard this staff. There's a couple things here. I've got a lot of thoughts on this as well. All right. So if you start to panic to the point after week two, where you hand play calling duties over to Thomas Brown right now. Man, it is way too early to play that card. Think about what kind of dysfunction you're admitting to. If after week two, you're like, "Ooh, yeah, this didn't work. All right, Thomas Brown, your turn. Good luck. <laughs> Ain't no way this is the time to pull that out right now. This is a move that you make if this continues, and maybe even at the midway point of the season. West two games? I can't get on board with that. And I'm with you on your initial comment. I don't know how different it would look either. Thomas Brown has his fingerprint prints on this offensive game plan. Like he is putting his input here. So we know that there's Jim Caldwell on this, uh, on this staff. We know that there's Josh McCown, which okay, not a lot of evidence. We know Houston liked him enough to All possibly right, quarterback coach, but he's a quarterback coach, bright mind. Okay. But we don't have a lot of evidence fair enough. But Jim Caldwell, we know is a bright offensive mind in a bunch of different positions. Thomas Brown is someone that I respect. Frank Reich, by the way, as a play caller for the Colts, you saw a lot of top half offensive performances. In fact, every single year that he was with the Colts until the last one, they got him fired. His offense performed in the top half of the league. And that's with Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck was by far the best QB. And the time that they finished in the top 11, not quite top 10, changing it a little bit, but top 11 in passing yardage. It was with Andrew Luck when they finished like sixth and it was 11th when they had Philip Rivers. So the two best quarterbacks was their two best passing offenses. Wes, I think it comes down to one thing that's really going to hurt them, that's hurting them right now. Offensive line is not what we thought they were going to be. And I think that's the biggest issue. I think Mike K is correct when he brings up that Bryce Young needs to get rid of the football. There was some bad holding on to the football problems last night from him. Yo, out of the pocket, throw it. Throw it. And he didn't do it. That was a problem. But, man, they've got Brady Christensen gone for the year. Austin Corbett, their best offensive lineman last year, or at least one of them, gone for the first four weeks. You don't know who your right guard is going to be because the guy you did have there has to move to the left side, was awful last night, and now you're splitting snaps between Calvin Throckmorton and Cade Mays with Nash Jensen as a healthy scratch, somebody that we thought might take over that responsibility, Wes. The offensive line doesn't look good, and guess what? When Frank Reich's offense wasn't doing good his last season in Indianapolis, guess what was banged up all over the place? It was the offensive line. So I think that's the biggest issue that we're experiencing right now. If you bring Thomas Brown aboard, I think he's capable. I think he's smart enough mind. But I think if you give him the job now, and it still looks like it does in the next two weeks, then what do you do? All right, Jim Caldwell, come on down. You're the next play caller. Then you look all sorts of incompetent. No this week, going into Seattle, is not the time to change play callers.
1: No, I don't think so either. And so, with Frank Reich, you talk about the offensive line and the issues that they're having there, because sometimes it does look a little bit, and I noticed that in, in the first game, and it's to be expected in the first game, is Bryce a little bit behind? Is the game moving a little fast for him? Sure it is. And maybe is he still in that college mode where he thinks that, all right, I'm going to wait until this guy's open, open, before I throw the football, because we've seen him throw it in tight windows, but then also... When you talk about a guy that's getting the type of pocket time that he's been getting, when you look at this all over the league, he's getting 2.8 uh, seconds of pocket time. That's a lot in the NFL, and that's according to fantasypros.com. But when you look at that, this is the guy that's getting the requisite time. So is it is he afraid to release the football? Is it guys not getting open? I think it speaks to a little bit of all of that. But the offensive pl- line play last night definitely was not acceptable, especially on some of those. Uh, it, it was just a mixture. You give up four sacks. Obviously, you don't want that. Seven quarterback hits. No, you definitely don't want that. And tackles for loss. And we saw Iki Kwanu, the ghost of the preseason, popped up last <sighs> yep, night. sure did. Beat on a sack. Beat on a tackle for loss. Breakdowns in technique form. And I think that's just something you're going to have to accept with this guy. But also, you understand how hard of a job it is, the guys that he is dealing with. But it's just a lot of technique falls on that tackle for loss that he was beat on. Feet stopped. Gave up the inside. On the sack, you know, gave up the edge, feet stopped again, gave up that edge, and it ended up being a horrible play for the Panthers.
0: City, I wanted to go to your thoughts in a second. I did want to stay with the offensive lineman on the offensive line talk just for a moment. It feels like, so Bradley Bozeman, better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. We saw that last year when we liked Bradley Bozeman as the starting center. We liked him enough, but we've seen him allow quite a bit, uh, quite a few pressures. Now you have a starting right guard that isn't working, whether it be Mays or Throckmorton Chandler Zavala wasn't good. And and look, I, I know we had our Taylor Moten debate, but I, I don't even think it's not like you said, yeah, Taylor Moten is worse than those guys, right? Like we can all agree that Taylor Moten is playing better than everybody else on the offensive line as it stands right now. And so that's why like, if if Taylor Moten's the only one that you can trust with Icky not being that guy not growing, it's a problem. I mean, oh, it, the interior pass rush is an issue, and and I even thought I know I'm kind of speaking out of both sides, I'm out of my mouth. I thought the plays where there was some space to step up in the pocket, Bryce Young didn't do it, and then there were times where he couldn't, and then you see him leave it. I don't know about way too early, but he just looked panicked and. Then you're holding on to the football. You have the fumble because you're just not taking care of the football nearly as much. The protection issues, they're bad. And I think at times last night, I think the quarterback compounded it, Wes. Is that fair to say?
1: I think so. And and also, too, to your point about Taylor Moten, Cameron Jordan may not have gotten a sack, but he definitely was over there handling business on Taylor Moten, giving him a handful and more. And so Top 10
2: player in the game last night.
1: Cam Jordan? (laughs) Taylor Moten. Hey, look,
2: oh, There he he's starting oh, to throw that that his shots.
0: I actually, but but also, like, was he bad? He wasn't good. I don't think Taylor Moten was all that bad. I think the rest of the pressure, if we're talking about, especially, man, you talk about everybody else. I mean, Wes, if you're on an island where you're the only competent offensive lineman and everybody else is allowing pressure, that affects your game.
1: Hey, I mean, he did to an extent, but there were some plays where... Oh, yeah, he wasn't uh, Cam perfect. Cam Jordan was manhandled. Well, and Cam Jordan
0: is in our top ten. No doubt about oh, it. God, and, and
1: Cam Jordan is a big-time lineman. One of, to me, in my opinion, one of the most underrated defensive linemen of this entire oh, era. 100%. 100%. But, uh, this is a group, too, when you just talk about Moten and, and what he's bringing to the crew and this whole offensive line as a whole, man. It's just you talk about the continuity and having chemistry and things of that nature. And this group we just have to kind of come to the reality that it isn't as talented. And Taylor Moten on that right side, we've seen teams do it in a lot of different ways. And I say all that when you talk about the matchup, but also he's in the face of the quarterback whom he can see. So the quarterback's going to account for his Pass blocking to an extent. If he sees Taylor moton getting beat, I see that. I can make an adjustment to that. Whereas when Icky gets beat, I don't see that and it can end up very bad. But all in all, as a whole, like I said, moton's going to get the lesser matchup. But you do see teams yeah. now. I see Nick Bosa lined up over the right tackle. I see different people lining their best pass rushes up over the right tackle because the traditional thought is that the right tackle is the lesser pass blocker. So, um, no, his and his pass
0: blocking last night, I he was better in the run game more than he was pass blocking. Cam Jordan, like he definitely was getting some pressure back there with Bryce Young. And, and if Taylor Moten is allowing pressure but still performing better than your other tackle because he didn't allow the guy to get home and we know the guards weren't playing well, the offensive line is an issue. And it's been an issue since preseason. It wasn't as much in week one, certainly in the first half, but – it, it showed itself once again.
1: It's the worst case scenario. No,
0: it is. It is, especially with the offensive line. Fitty, mm-hmm. you had some thoughts real quickly before we move on.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I was noticing this last night. Like, I'm a fan of a team whose head coach calls the plays. But Mike McCarthy gets to play call in, 27, 28 seconds on the play clock. Yes, yes. And and so I don't know, is that more on Frank Reich, or is maybe that's Bryce Young not being comfortable in a NFL huddle? We've seen some rookie quarterbacks around the NFL this week. When they went to the no huddle, two-minute offense, they're more comfortable because – That's what they do in college. There were times Carolina was breaking the huddle with eight seconds on the play clock.
0: It's a problem. It's a real problem, and it's happened the first two weeks. And I've mentioned it a couple of times, people on the text line saying, great, I forgot about Joe Brady's name, and you keep bringing him up. (laughs) But this was a common criticism of Joe Brady, and we're not over it. That's the frustrating part. It's when you have the same problems with different regimes where you expect things to improve or just be flat-out fixed, and they're not. The play call and calling timeouts because you know you are not going to get this snap off in time—that's frustrating as hell. Especially in a game last night where you have two timeouts because you needed to use one up. You were right there. I, I yeah, and it happened against Atlanta because they're just not getting it in on time. And then you know when we're talking about Bryce Young in the pocket, we got to talk about the clip, which I, it's not like an indictment on how he's going to be going forward. But the clip of Miles Sanders lining Bryce Young up over the center because he was lined up originally over the right guard. Dude was rattled. It was funny. It was funny. It doesn't mean he's going to be bad. Oh, no. (laughs) Great. My quarterback doesn't know where the center is. Now he's going to be a bust. Anthony Richardson knows where the center is. CJ Stroud, he's been knowing where the center is ever since he's been playing football. It ain't like that. But still, I thought the clip was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. And that's. That was a moment to where you just feel like, man, he's just got so much going on in his head. There's so much swirling around him that he just came out, man, and he just made a crazy mistake. I mean, we've seen what Tom Brady did this as well, lined up under the wrong guy before. Well, or, I, I'm thinking about the fourth. Yes. It was third, and he thought it, <laughs> it was fourth, but he thought it was third. Yeah. or Sometimes man your brain just has a lapse. I think Joe just had a lapse. There was a lot. There was a lot to think about, especially after getting hit and sacked and all of that. Your brain's all over the
0: place. Yeah, and you're right. That's a great point to bring up. Even Tom Brady <laughs> can look stupid on a meme holding up four fingers thinking it's fourth down, but actually it's fifth down and you're off the field. Get out of there, Tom Brady. So, Miles Sanders, thank you for helping out your young QB. Let's go to the second Fiddy Flash of the day before we move on. Go ahead, Fiddy, what you got?
2: The birthday boy, Patrick Mahomes, who turned 28 on Sunday, he got a pretty big gift yesterday as they restructured his contract. Straight cash, homie. Two hundred million. And he's gonna get two hundred and ten million dollars guaranteed over the next four years, which of course is the most. In NFL history, and they will revisit the contract after the 2026 season. Remember, he signed that record 10-year, $500 million contract that's going to keep him among the highest-paid players whenever this contract comes back up. Are we talking about maybe over a four-year span? He's getting... $300 $300 million if he's got a couple more Super Bowls and MVPs to his name? Oh, no question about it. And I think the next contract he
1: gets will probably be fully guaranteed. I think that's the next step for Patrick Mahomes. But for him getting all this money, obviously he's looking at what's going on around the league. He wants that money to be up there with everybody else's. And I just sit and wonder sometimes when I heard that number. I said, I wonder what that looks like to just look in your bank account and know you have that kind of money sitting there. Mm,
0: can I afford it? Uh, yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> it's got to be a beautiful. Beautiful thing. Can I afford this nonsense purchase I'm about to make? Right. Well, yes, I can. And I can continue to have generational wealth afterwards. I I will say real quickly on Kansas City, I'm I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do. Because Travis Kelsey, if it ain't working for him, I know Sky Moore got more involved. I know Kadarius Toney had the drive where he had, I think, three receptions on that drive alone, but man, he's not dealing with much at all. He's not. And the running game's not good. The offensive line is worse, and it was one of the best lines in all of football last year, and their tackles are worse this year. If Pat Mahomes even gets to the postseason, even if he gets to the postseason with this squad, that offense... There's not much talent outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe in Creed Humphrey, I guess a guard, but the tackles aren't good.
1: Well, I think one thing, too, and Panthers fans may take a little bit of solace in this with a lot of these offenses. We've seen a lot of great offenses, a lot of great quarterbacks struggling. And I think a lot of it, too, is because these guys aren't playing preseason football. A lot of these defenses, they are playing a lot of their guys, a lot of snaps. And then when they get into these first couple of games, they're still trying to work out the kinks because they just haven't had enough live game reps. So I think we see a little bit of that at play here. Because Kansas City, man, look, I've seen what they've done enough to know not to doubt this offense and what they can right. do. I think as the season goes along, they'll get the rolling, they'll make a tweak here or there, maybe go pick up somebody, and then they'll be off and running.
0: All right, Willie P, he's gonna be hopping on with us on the other side of the break at Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Uh-
3: Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is. I am Will Pelagic. Texture goes, We're a four team win now. Maybe. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Lesser Matt goes, The Panthers stink. Will you better adjust your win total to about four or five? And Bryce is trash. Look, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you that i got to readjust. Look, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Drag <laughs> me, why don't you? I'm fine with it.
0: That's Willie P., our beloved Willie P. During the post-game show last night after a Monday night loss for the Carolina Panthers, Willie, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, look, you gotta know, me and Wes had no clue that that soundbite was going to be played. We did not. It was your beloved friend, Josh Fiddy Marlowe who told you before he hung up that he was going to make fun of you. It was not my intention. I just wanted to talk a little ball, both football and soccer, but now we have to open up with your readjusting, with your 12-win prediction, because Fiddy is a jerk to you as he's always been.
3: Uh, I I feel like I'm the most overexposed man in Charlotte radio because not only was I on the morning show to defend myself, I was on Jeff Rickard's show to defend myself. I'm here with y'all and I'm in the car on the way to fill in for Kyle Bailey, who had an unfortunate uh, emergency that he had to be pulled away from. So, it, there'll be all kinds of, of pinata. I'm, I'm pinata P today. It's apparently what
0: it is. Oh, pinata P. I like that. I love it, man. It's because he's so sweet. Everything inside is so sweet. That's why we call <laughs> Willie P. Willie pinata. I absolutely love it. And we're going to have to get you to call into the Zach Gelb show after and even defend sure. yourself there. I sure, mean,
3: I'll, I'll go on with him. I'll go on with junior I'll go, go on through with the Lawrence. car wash. You know, let's, let's make it happen. I'll, I'll even go on with Adam gold retroactively. He can uh, have it on as well. (laughs) You should, you
0: you should. Yes. Jeff, if you hear the stopping of playing of the Adam gold show a little bit later on, it's because Willie is going live for five minutes just to defend himself there. So he can, in theory, retroactively defend himself. All right, Willie, let's, I guess let's just talk about why people are asking you to readjust your Carolina Panthers prediction. I did not expect the offense to look like this. And we, I think all of us have been trying to say, okay, maybe we were too out in front of Bryce Young to the start of his NFL career where well, we thought you could just drop him in because of his processing, he'd be ready to go. I admit that I thought too much of that. I don't think there's any way anybody could have expected the offense to look this poor through two weeks. What about you, Willie? What have you made of the offense?
3: Well, I think it's the old moniker that we talk about a lot. Past performance is not exactly equal future results. I think that's the part of this that's hard for a lot of panther fans to digest i think we thought going into this season that the offensive line was a strong part of this team uh yes there have been injuries to the two starting guards that you felt pretty good about the two rookie guards coming in with the you know veteran at center and the veteran at right tackle and hopefully aki coming into his own at left tackle but at the end of the day the offensive line has not helped and you thought that miles sanders was going to you know, build off of what he did last year with the Eagles. He, he has not done that. They didn't run the football nearly well enough in these first two weeks to take some of the pressure off Bryce Young. And I think it's hard to put it all on a rookie quarterback when you don't have other phases helping with them. The, the biggest disappointment for me, Walker, is the wide receiver core. I, I think that we all kind of had, I would say, different thoughts about the wide receivers. You know, the fact that there are they are devoid of a number one target. I think was always going to be something they had to kind of manage and, you know, scheme guys open, so to speak. But the fact that they have not been able to get any kind of separation where it's like they're basically Velcro to the defensive backs of their opposition, that that to me is, I think, the biggest disappointment of all this because they haven't even given Bryce a chance. So I don't know if it's necessarily we had higher expectations on Bryce. I feel like we had higher expectations when it came to his supporting cast. And right now, they are extremely failing him at this point.
1: And then, Willie P., I'll ask you, what was the number one thing that you saw in this team that you felt like they could get to 10 or 12 wins, and then what's the biggest thing that's changed since we've seen the start that they've had?
3: Well, I think the the, the biggest thing that I thought was that I thought this division was not going to be as good as it has been through two weeks. Now, it could turn out to be that, you know, the season could play out and, and the winner of this division might only have, seven eight nine wins i mean there's obviously a lot of the season must be played uh the optimism always came in the back half of the schedule for carolina i thought that they had potential games where they could get wins against you know the texans and colts of the world and not not to denigrate those teams but they're dealing with a lot of the same issues that the panthers are when it comes to dealing with the rookie quarterback and the supporting cast around them and you felt that you had your choice of the litter if you will when it came to the starting quarterbacks and uh, when you had that scenario, you felt like Bryce Jones would rise above those three. Well, he's had the roughest go of the of the first three weeks. So the first two weeks with these three quarterbacks, granted Richardson has not had a full uh, look at him because he was injured in the second half of that uh, cold Texas game last week. So as far as I'm concerned, I think we all have to kind of take a step back and, and really kind of look at what exactly does progress look like for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm not necessarily sure it's a win total as it is a, how are they playing by the end of the season? Do, do they look like they can put one foot in front of the other? Can, can they walk after they crawl? Because right now, even asking them to crawl at least on one phase of the, of the team, that's the other part of this, West too, is that you know the, the special teams is doing well and the defense has done about as well as you could ask them to play through the first two weeks of the season, especially when they've been put together with a lot of short fields and a lot of unforced errors from the offense. That, that's the part that makes this so frustrating is that it only seems to be the offense right now that's kind of pulling down the entire operation over
1: there. Willie P. joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Willie P. Style. And Willie, uh, last time we talked, you told me in soccer it's an art to not getting beat, being able to tie or win matchups. And since we spoke, Charlotte has gotten a win and two ties. But at what point are ties not enough for a fan base? Is it starting to get tired of them uh, not being able to turn some of these ties into wins?
3: I mean, we're there, Wes. Uh, we're seven games to go in the season, and uh, ties aren't going to get it done. You need victories, especially when you have games in hand against teams that are around you. I will say the saving grace is that every team 8 through 13 in the table drew on Saturday in all scoreless draws. So no change in goal differential, no change in the goals for or against. Uh, all six teams in that uh, in that frame of mind, 8 through 13 in the table, played the scoreless draws, including Charlotte and D.C. Yeah. on Saturday. So I guess the one thing that is encouraging is that you do have basically a reset of the deck. Same kind of scenario going into Wednesday. A win and some help can put you back in the squares uh, of a potential playoff appearance. The problem is there's a step-up in opponent with Philadelphia coming in here. Philadelphia's the top four team in the table. They lost one nail off an unfortunate own goal last time uh, Charlotte FC saw them. Uh, the fact that they get them in home, again, is an encouraging thing, but uh, there is always kind of that scenario for Charlotte FC. It's not necessarily how they play, but whether or not they can get the right uh, amount of scoring chances for the opposition because right now they're creating a lot of shots, but not a lot of those shots are in on frame. And I even asked this to Christian Latanzi, like, what has to be done? Film, you know, on-field work? And he says, you know, they're very much uh, limited by the compression of the time schedule because they did play on Saturday. They can't get on the field much between two games when you play Saturday to Wednesday. So right now it's a scenario where you got to just roll it out, roll the ball out there and see if you can get a better plan going forward because right now uh, the matches are coming fast and furious. Charlotte FC is running at a time.
0: Willie, what kind of candy would fall out of you if we beat you like a pinata? Uh, <laughs>
3: Jolly, Ran- Jolly Ranchers, uh, many Reese's. Uh, I would say maybe a- an Almond Joy would, you know, no bounds, though. So.
1: Oh, everything
0: else. You had me wanting to be to experiment a little bit until you got to the almond joy and the mounds. Maybe I know you said no mounds, but anyway, Jolly Ranchers, (laughs) Reeses, sign me up. That's Willie Pinata on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We appreciate him as always. Willie, we'll see you soon.
3: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to everybody at 3 o'clock, and we'll have a Bailey meeting about the whole time. <laughs> That'll mm-hmm.
0: be good. Yes, Willie does need to address everybody at once because he's been hopping on everybody's show to address the 12-win prediction. Now we can do it on the Kyle Bailey Show a little bit later on today. One more hour to go on Weston Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.